This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I'm coming off an all-time detraining long weekend. But the good news is, I was able to touch pretty much all the bases with our, you know, excuse game, you know, day drinking. I played golf. Uh, I was hungover. Uh, I ate too much like pizza and stuff like that. So I think I'm covered. I think, like, yeah, I think I think my training plan is covered just fine based on the excuses. So we're going to be okay. And as always, at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? Boys, I am good, but I am hot. I just looked at the thermostat. It's 90 degrees in my freaking thermostat, like in where I'm at right now. I mean, I don't even think it's 90 degrees outside. It just feels like my apartment gets hotter. And on the first floor, I don't really understand how this whole thing works, but it's legitimately hotter inside than it is outside. So anyone here, and this is not me, I am, I am, make, I am shitting on everyone else and not me. If you're ever in New England in the winter and you complain that it's too cold, I want you to think about what it's at right now and how hot, and how sweaty you are, and how gross it feels, and you never complain about the cold again, because my God, how am I supposed to train for a two-miler when it's 90 degrees when I'm trying to record a podcast? Trent, you literally stole the words right out of my mouth. It is disgusting and gross, and we are going to get back to this in one second. And at the 27 Video Production Studios, we got Pro Flow. How you doing, Flo? Steve, I'm doing great. I had a very nice evening with the family celebrating my brother Billy's birthday. So happy birthday to Billy. But the big news, baseball's back, guys. Baseball is back. Friday, the Sox are going. But more importantly, the Cepeda Gigantes, my AAU team that I coach, we're back. Tough start to the year. A huge sweep on Saturday. 110 degrees on the turf. The boys are buzzing. It just feels good that we have sports back a little bit. It's a little different. We're masked up. Things are weird. But baseball is back. I cannot wait for this Friday. I'm going to get hot dogs for lunch. I'm going to watch all the baseball. It's going to be great. It's just going to be a taste of what summer should be. I mean, it's not, it's not really summer until you get that first baseball game in, right? I mean, so I cannot wait. I'm so pumped. Maybe we should just talk baseball today. Yeah, should do you just want to talk baseball? Yeah, I think I so. Mean, we talk baseball for most of our first podcast. I was going to say, if, if uh, people are new to the show and, you know, since last spring or fall haven't been into it, I mean, we, we spend just as much time talking baseball as we do running. We, we spend just as much time talking. Yeah, our very first episode, I went on like a 40-minute rant about the Red Sox broadcaster. So I think it's possible we could just do it. We even have a conversation after the first podcast. We're like, hey – are you sure we want to go down this running path? We could just very easily make this a baseball podcast after that first episode. So I'm still considering it. Still considering <laughs> it. <laughs> Anyways, Trent, it is disgusting. It is disgusting. so gross. It's, and it's, and it, gross. it's hot, but it's like here in New England, it's just this gross like humidity where you just can't do anything. And like you get to, you know, you get if you don't get up and run in the morning and you work all day and you're getting later in the day, it's getting like three, three thirty in the afternoon, and you're just like tired. The heat just zaps you, right? And it's like 
if I want to go for a run when I'm done working, I got to slam like a quick 20, 30 minute power nap or else I just can't get out the door. It is so gross. And listen, you know, New England has brutal, brutal winters. And this time of year, the summer with the humidity just gets brutal. But New England has about, it has a month in the, month in the, uh, the spring, month in the fall where it's the best weather in the world. I think everybody that lives in New England can agree upon that. But I realized today that there's about eight, maybe 10 total weeks of the year where I'm not just completely and totally complaining about the weather I have to go running. Like, if you really think about it, there's like a little over two months where I'm just not bitching about the weather that I have to go running. But hold on. That's what I love about it, though, right? <laughs> I, just something about being having something to perpetually complain about, I think, is one of my great pride and joys. Like complaining for me is almost a sport. So if I can have something that's just built in that I can complain about all the time, and the weather is such a generic thing to complain about, right? Like the most classic small talk conversation. So the weather. So it's just, it's so easy. It's laid up for you all the time. So I like kind of like secretly down deep. I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, I, I, I take great pride in the wild swings of the New England weather. And I'm a big believer in there is no bad weather, right? You're just underprepared for it in some way. You have the wrong gear, you didn't hydrate enough or whatever. It's just when you have to like, like look into you know, the mirror and, and think about how sweaty, like, can I even get myself to work in the morning without, you know, needing a shower three times on the, the ride over there? Because I'm taking, you know, public transportation as a city kid. No, I can't. So when you're looking yourself in the eyes there, and then again, just what triggered it for me was thinking about all the people that complain about like, it's too cold. And you had a point, Mike, right? It's part of the culture here. We, we, we have this terrible weather and we all get through it together. But uh God, what I would do for like a snowstorm tomorrow. I, I just, I want to shovel snow. That's what I want. I want to shovel snow tomorrow. I want my car to be like four feet under snow. I want to spend all day hurting my back, shoveling snow out and then just like diving in it and, and having, you know, frozen thumbs and putting my face too deep into powder. That's what I want. Save this clip, clip this and let's play this again. End of January, early February. <laughs> hey, I just have a quick, I, I just want your opinion very quickly. I actually lived in Sevilla in Spain for a couple months after college. It was like 110 degrees every day. No, no joke. I would have to commute on, on the T there to work. And I had a huge dilemma of, is it more weird if I go to work and bring an extra shirt to change into? So everyone knows I'm the sweaty guy, or do I just like, go in the bathroom and like cool down for 15 minutes. And then it was a big dilemma that I had. So what, what should I have done? I mean, Man. Pat, that's just, that's just my day to day life. I mean, for me, like I just, that, that's not a dilemma for me because it's just, it's just my reality. I have to go everywhere with two t-shirts. That's just, that's just how I live. There's no escaping. There's no escaping me being the sweaty guy. I just am the sweaty guy. See, I, I like the strategy of let's show up to work early and give myself a chance to cool off. But the problem is, you know, if you get into a r routine of showing up to work early for a week or two, it's going to be 15 minutes. And it's going to dwindle down to 14 minutes. And slowly over time, three months from then, you are going to be sprinting into the office trying to get there at the last second. I mean, there's just no and – then, and then you're screwed. You don't have a second shirt, and you're sweaty and disgusting and gross. And by the way, your voice sounds great, flow. Nice new mic. Welcome to, uh, you know, a podcast. Mike, Mike Life. It's good to be here. All right, boys. Mike, let's kick off the running news. 
gentlemen. So we got some new news stories, but it's a little bit of the same. We do have some results, though. We have some results. And this past week down in Oregon, we had the big friendly, too. So we had a couple of the teams uh, who've been kind of participating in this stuff actually get on the track. Not not this virtual against each other and not just a you know one team time trial. We had some teams actually go out and race each other. We had some more awesome times. We had some great races. What do we think? Mike, this was the best event in the sport of running to come out of quarantine so far. I think so. Because yeah, I mean there there's obviously severe limitations on what these teams can do what events they can do, how many people they can have. So it was a, it was a, it was, it was three teams. They got together on the track, um, you know, limited people in each event, you know, they didn't allow any spectators, but they got together, they went out and they did some traditional events. You know, you had the 1500, you had the three K 800. Um, so they, you got to see some, some athletes run some really, really fast times, but then at the end, they did something creative. They did something different. They did something interesting. They did the, the two by two by 400 and they mixed up the teams. You had Raven Rogers and Donovan Brazier's Donovan Brazier versus, versus Coco and Engels. And then um, who was the other team? Uh, Let's see. I got it right here. I think we had uh, Sabrina Sutherland and Nia Atkins. Okay, Sutherland and Ackland. So it was it, it was just fun, you know. It was like you got to see them go out, you know, uh, test their race, you know, kind of kind of put themselves to the test a little bit out there on the track against some good competition. And then you mix it up. You did something different. You did something fun, and you did it all on on uh, Tracklandia's YouTube page. I just thought that this was a very well done a lot done event. It wasn't a lot, you know. It was just a, a handful of runners in the track for for each event, but it was just entertaining to watch. Well done. Congratulations to everybody put this one on. This one was fun to watch. I enjoyed it. The only thing I didn't like about it was that it was called the big friendly. I mean, this is what we're talking about of having guys with different uniforms out there, real competition, not the time trial stuff. And so, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. So you love the creativity at the end, love to see the different teams going at it. And then, and I've watched, um, you know, a bit of it and I love like the, this kind of the, the high school feel of it almost where there's no fans and it's a track in the middle of the woods and there's no reporters in their face afterwards. And I'm a big NBA guy. It reminded me of NBA summer league where you kind of get these guys like in this gym that they probably played at, you know, when they were 15 years old on the AU circuit, it kind of reminded me of that, like this taking these world-class athletes, the best that the U S has to offer and putting them on some, you know, dinky little track somewhere and kind of just having this slim down track meet, but still seeing, elite elite performances it was it was great for sure yeah the an all-time track there in portland in the middle of the woods there it is a badass uh, environment there and the star power is a big part right i mean you have some huge names being put on that track yet you, you know likes of brazier and and angles and and coco and a lot of the brooks beast guys you got kerr there a uh, ton of friends of the program so you know if you're a peak too early fan and you haven't watched this yet you got to go check it out because, I mean, we had a ton of people that we've had on this show racing each other, so it was fun to watch them. In the 3K, we had three or four. In the 3K, yeah. we had we had Henry Wynn, Craig Engels, Sam Prakel, and then you yeah. had Suguru uh, Osaka, who hopefully will one day be a friend of the program. Right. So for me, it was enjoyable. Uh, I loved the racing. But let's get back to this 2x2x400 this two by two by here because I'm fascinated by it, and I loved it, and I love doing all the cool, crazy things. But my favorite part of it is, you know, 
Brazier and Rodgers, clearly the favorites to win it. And instead of running the race the way every other team was doing it, they decided to switch their their teammates. So they had Rodgers running with the men's leg, and then Brazier was running with the female leg. So, I mean, it was it just created this insane dynamic where you had Rodgers, Rodgers being able to duke it out with the men and then when Brazier gets the baton and has a deficit, he has to make these crazy surges in the 400 to come back and have to gain the lead back every single time. It made the race so much more entertaining. And I don't know what went behind that decision if they were just trying to like create these different scenarios, but it was very cool. And then you do the, you do a relay where you do your leg and then you got to come back and run a second one, you know, just a minute later. Right. That was, that was also entertaining to watch. So yes, race director or whoever's, whoever's putting together these, these quarantine races, you know, getting the, the pro athletes on the track to, to, to run fast times in front of some sort of camera to kind of put out to the world, please continue to come up with something creative like this. It didn't, it wasn't a lot. You were able to do your traditional distances. You were able to run your traditional races and you just threw in something fun at the end that made the whole thing 10 times better. Yeah. Real competition, real creativity. Those are, I think the two things we've been asking for this entire quarantine. And the next news story that we got for today, again, like I said, I wouldn't exactly call it a new news story. We are getting back into whereabouts. I mean, man, I just feel like we should just become the whereabouts podcast because it's all we talk about these days. But new story broke this past week. American sprinter and Olympian Deja Stevens has been banned for 18 months due to a whereabouts failure, meaning that she will be ineligible for the upcoming Olympics. Here we go again, gentlemen. What do we got? So if we're going to be on Team Christian Coleman, we are on Team DJ Stevens and putting it out there right now. I mean, there's just too many damn whereabouts failures going on recently that they're all actually, you know, trying to, to get away from the drug tests. Um, and DJ, she put out some pretty interesting, you know, excuses about some, some real life problems. And, you know, I, I'm just going to believe her until I've been proven otherwise. So t- team DJ over here. What the hell is going on, guys? Like, what is going on with our sport where we're just, we're just banning our top athletes from the Olympics with these crazy whereabouts failures? I mean, and we put out a video recently on our, on our Instagram page, which is an unbelievable Electric. video. Electric. A courtesy of 27 video probably one of the funniest things we've done so if you haven't seen it go watch it but it w- the whole point of that video was a commentary on kind of like the state of our sport where we've gone from trying to keep the sport clean trying to protect the sport to a culture of trying to catch athletes and making it making you know it, almost like incentivizing and celebrating like catching when you, you know, you know, when you catch an athlete off guard, you know, when you're, when you catch them, when they're not supposed to be there, let's change the mindset. Let's change the culture of, of the sport of like, let's work with the athletes. Let's protect the, let's, let's make the sport clean because we need the sport clean, but let's protect our top athletes. And we are not doing that right now in the United States. It's getting to uh, this point where, you know, anybody gets caught up in this, 
is obviously going to have some kind of story that tries to validify what happened. And some of them might not be true. Some of them may be true, but there's no way to truly distinguish from a fan's perspective, right? There's investigations that going into all this stuff and that's fine, but there's from a fan's perspective, no way to really delineate what is true and what's not true. And it just seems like there needs to, we've said it a million times, there just needs to be a better system because there is such a difference between missing an Olympics because you tested positive for drugs and because of this whereabouts thing, which I, I mean, at this point just feels like craziness and mayhem and, and who knows what's going on. But for anybody who hasn't been following the story, I mean, there's some pretty legit stuff going on here. So I will say the first excuse that she had um, was kind of funny, but also so relatable. She said that, you know, she fell asleep, you know, when she went to bed, her phone died and wasn't charging or something like that. So that apparently when she got a call or text or something, relate. yeah, she, her phone was dead. And like, that's like a perfect excuse for anything. It's like, oh, I was late to work because my alarm didn't go off because, you know, my phone died or something like that. I mean, just so relatable and funny. So that one had me giggling. But the, the third mistest. So, I mean, she basically had a harasser that was like, you know, falling around. She had to change like her apartment where she her she wasn't listed on the directory because she was afraid of this person who was harassing her and she like received a death threat and so she had legitimate reasons to be like hey listen this is what's going on and this is why i missed the test and yeah they claimed well they found the apartment who knows it's a he said she said thing but it's like all right maybe this is something we should take seriously and maybe that's a, a point to be like hey maybe there's a better way to do this test than to like have the personal life of everybody be you know their entire Revolve, life revolves right. around this one hour of their day it's like i'm not here coming to you with a perfect solution saying that like i have a, a way to fix this sport to fix this system but what i am saying is the way that we're doing this it just seems insane to me and everyone will say oh yeah well you know everyone else has to follow it and you have pro professionals coming out and in, in defense or on the other side of it saying yeah you know we all have to do it and it's the one hour a day you just have to you know, if you've already had two missed, you have to be accountable and really buckle down. It's like, listen, life gets in the way of things. It happens all of the time. And you're going to miss an Olympics because life got in the way of something or something wild happened, or she's dealing with this crazy nonsense that has a huge impact on her life. God, I mean, it's just, it's brutal. It, it's well, brutal. Think about that. Let's think about this. Like if you had to, you know, during the waking hours of your day, if you had to set aside an hour to be at your house every single day, that's outrageous. It's insane. I mean, like, I think on the service, when you first think about it, it's like, okay, the price of being a professional athlete is you have to be at your house at that, at, at that hour every single day. But when you start thinking about it, it's like you have to build your entire life around that one rule, which is crazy. Like, you can't, <laughs> you, you can't, like, you just can't do anything on a whim. Like, you can't you know, you, you, you can't be gone for your, from your house for the entire day. You need to build your entire life around that one hour, which is crazy. It's and and we need to make reform. Like we need to, we need to come up with a new system. Like, listen, we've said it before on this podcast. We are all for extreme penalties. If you are found guilty, if you are found guilty, you know, ban them for ban them for multiple Olympic cycles. Kick them out of the sport. If you're found guilty, be hard, swift, and extremely severe. But 
if they're not found guilty, if it's this, if it's because of this crazy whereabouts failure, like we need to rethink what we're doing here. It just seems crazy to me. I think the uh, and you guys have preached it for the entire time you've been doing this. The sport leagues that have been the most successful have been the ones that know it's an entertainment business. That's the name of the game. Um, and the ones that don't are the ones that are struggling. And I feel like that is a huge issue with the running sport is it's not really treated like an entertainment business to the regular consumer and to be banging out the best athletes without like hard evidence is insane. This is crazy. I mean, the real harassers are these yellow jackets that are doing this. This is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. Although I'm being a defender of the whereabouts failure is one of my new favorite things in my entire life. But this is nuts. It's an entertainment or it should you be. Hit, you hit the nail on the head there, Pat, because like you look at the, all the good things that a sport like UFC is doing, a sport on the rise right now. They are making every single decision around being a more entertaining sport. And it feels like the sport of track and field, the sport of running is making all their decisions around being a less entertaining sport, which is driving me crazy. And they're doubling down on the strategy. So I worked with our stats and research team here and found on the AIU website, they have a little message that says, please note that the athletics integrity unit will be taking a more stringent approach to whereabouts requirements in 2020. Uh, you must read this information carefully as it spells out the requirements for 2020. So AIU is doubling down this, which also makes me think that that means in the past, they were probably a little bit more lenient and understanding of some of the excuses that were thrown out there. Like I have a harasser, right? Or I was, you know, at a track meet and there, there was disconnect um, when I, when I sent in where I was going to be that night. So they're stepping it up and, and they've made it very clear. They didn't take everything and not accept any excuses. But if you're an athlete and you're used to being like, Hey, listen, man, like I was freaking getting harassed or, or my cell phone was dead and, and I'm not going to expect to be, you know, banned from the Olympics. It doesn't surprise me that we're seeing, you know, a string of athletes here. Literally every week we have a new whereabouts failure to talk about. And, and every time that it keeps happening, I keep getting pushed more and more into the extreme. Next thing you know, I'm just going to be a crazy person who's, you know, knocking down the door of the AIU you know, handcuffing myself to, to their office doors or something like that. Because I, I mean, I am so hardcore team Stevens, so hardcore team Coleman that I couldn't even imagine going more, but the next one that comes out and I'm sure there's going to be another one. I'm just going to strap it on even more unless it's, you know, maybe another country or something and I'll call them cheaters. All for it, baby. <laughs> all right, gentlemen, that's all we got for the news today. All right, boys, let's get into our interview with longtime friend of the program. First time we have had him on the podcast. This this interview has been a long time coming. He's a, he's a friend of Mike and I's and Trent's. Um, Ruben Sanka. Ruben Sanka was a stud athlete at the University of Massachusetts Lowell. He went on to compete in the Olympics in the 5K for Cape Verde in 2012. Um, so let's talk about Ruben, what's up, hey, buddy? Steve. How you doing? Can you hear me? I can hear you great. How perfect. you doing, bud? Good. I'm literally just walking in from a run. So. Oh, perfect timing. Perfect timing. <laughs> oh, man, this is great. It's usually like we're usually getting into this and like I got a little bit of nerves because it's the first time I've talked to the person, but this is great. It's like, you know, this is just going to be a regular conversation. 
Steve, are you yeah. saying you're you're not nervous to talk to former Olympian Ruben Sanka? Um, it's pretty. I'm it's pretty so messed scared up. right now. Pretty messed up. <laughs> so, Ruben, yeah. you just you just got in from a run. What are you training for right now? Um, well, the goal is to train for the Houston Marathon in January. So for now, I'm just kind of uh, trying to maintain a really long, sustained base. I'm trying not to go too too crazy. So my miles is you know just. Uh, Kind of like average for me but nothing nothing crazy just trying to keep the momentum going uh hopefully do you know do some time trials here and there and then do a, a fall half marathon and then go to houston marathon did you have a goal before the entire world shut down or was houston kind of the goal from from the you know from the spring on um i think i, I kind of wanted to do boston in september i, I want well i wanted to do boston in april but uh i got injured um right after chicago marathon in october so then i was injured for like three or four months so i said you know what boston in april is is out of out of the question so when they when they postponed it to september then i got pretty excited and i started, started really kind of cranking the training and then i said you know what i think it's going to get postponed again so i kind of just, you know, settle down a little and just try to maintain mostly like base work, you know, the standards, medium, long run and the long run. But mostly just trying to keep it uh, consistent for the next couple of months. And hopefully once, you know, once uh, you know, maybe November, October rolls around and if everything is still going okay as far as like Houston being on, then I'll start to really crank the training. It sucks to think about, but... It's it's scary to think maybe Houston could actually be you know thrown off by this despite how far away it is and how many things have been canceled. Are you just do you just have to trick yourself to like fully believe it's gonna happen right to to keep your steady training because you know a, a bum like myself I'm just gonna pray you know say oh maybe it won't happen and the training falls apart. Are you just yeah. are you just all in on it happening so that you are ready when it if it does happen? I think it's a little bit of both for me is, you know, trying to train as if it's still like not going to happen um, realistically um, because right now, you know, anything is possible. Um, so I'm training right now thinking it might, it's 50, 50, but I, I think once I really get to around October, uh, that's when I got to really start, you know, doing the long, hard marathon workouts. I think for now, I'm just kind of, you know, having fun with training, uh, not put too much pressure on myself. Um, you know, for me, I've done pretty high mileage in the past. So doing about a hundred miles, you know, it's something that I can, you know, do with, with no pressure. I can do it in singles, doubles. I can do a hard run here, easy run. Um, uh, but just trying to keep things uh, pretty consistent for now and just have fun with it. Some days, if I feel good, I'll hammer a run. Some other days, if I don't feel good, I just, you know, jog it easy in the heat and still getting good training. So, I mean, obviously with, you know, quarantine and COVID and everything going on, it's, you know, put a real damper on the, the racing calendar. Uh, has it also put a damper on your pool ba basketball calendar as well? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, the last time I played pool basketball, you know, we, did, we, we did finish on top. So I don't feel so bad about that. But I would like to have a, a rematch, uh, you know, hopefully, at the, once we find a good location that's suitable. Yeah, I mean, I think I still have uh, a couple lingering bruises from those elbows of yours getting, getting thrown my way. Yeah, you know, it's hard to play against someone who's 6'2", Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so to give the listeners some background to that, so, so 
Ruben, Ruben, we go, you know, we go way back, you know, Ruben and I and, and Mike have kind of grew up in the, the same town running in the, in the same town. And every once in a while, when we were ambitious, we would give Ruben a call be like, Hey, let's go out for our run today. Let's and let's jump in our parents pool after the fact. And, you know, our, our pool at our parents house became famous because we set up a basketball in there and we called it pool basketball, but really it was just kill the man with the ball. And every once in a while you would get the basketball in the hoop and Ruben joined us and he joined in on some pool basketball. And Ruben was like, you were, you were trying to make an Olympic team at the time. (laughs) And, and, and you didn't realize that we, that, that pool basketball essentially meant kill the man with the ball. And I remember, I'll never forget my mother standing on the side of the pool, just like losing her mind because she's like, you're going to hurt him. You're going to injure him. He's he's trying to get ready for the Olympics. You can't push him like that. Well, we were doing a lot of uh, alley-oops and, uh, you know, jumping up in the air and doing all crazy stuff. But thankfully, no one got really hurt. So, So, Ruben, you know, I I think that what separates you from a lot of people that we've talked to is I really see you as – kind of like the common man, you know, runner in the sense that, you know, you don't, you're not a full-time sponsored athlete, but you're training like one and you have a full-time job. You're, you're grinding away at, you've got a job where you've got a great career going, you work for, you know, a, a university, you're doing a lot of great things, but then, you know, before and after work, you're managing to squeeze in over a hundred miles a week and train like an Olympian, you know, how, how do you stay focused? How are you managing to kind of get these, these runs in and train for a brutal event like the marathon and work a grueling work schedule? I think it's just, you know, time management, uh, taking it week by week and not, you know, I, I think sometimes, you know, maybe when I was, when I was younger, you know, I just kind of wanted to get after and go really, really hard for some weeks, you know, maybe put in eight really hard week of training. And then I realized it's, it's not really about, you know, those, those short eight weeks or, or, you know, 10, 12 weeks. It's mostly about just the long-term, uh, you know, long-term sustained training. So you're talking, you know, not one or two or three years, but you're talking like eight to 10 years. And I think we've seen it with, with so many runners, you know, Nate Jenkins, uh, you know, guys like Eric Ash, you know, uh, uh, Lucia Ferrini, guys who just trained for so many years and, uh, and, you know, Matt Pelletier, all these guys, uh, local guys who trained for so many years, and none of them were, you know, really talented. But after you train for so many years and you stay really healthy, eventually you're going to hit a good race. And uh, for the marathon, it's, marathon is one of those things where you could train for five marathons and you could go out there and be really, really fit. And it might just not happen. Like you might run five or ten minutes slower, but it doesn't mean you weren't ready for it. Like, it doesn't mean you weren't prepared. Sometimes you just get bad luck, like weather, or you got a side stitch, or you got dehydrated, or it was windy, or you just didn't have a good day. But what I really learned is that um, with a marathon, you just got to keep training, and eventually, you know, you do the same thing, same thing, and eventually one of these days, things are going to click. And for me, you know, I, uh, I ran my first marathon when I was 23, and that's still my PR, but I've always felt like I've made huge jumps. I mean, the type of type of workouts that I, I can do now for you know for the longer distances I couldn't do them when I was 23 and I'm 33 right now but uh, I still feel like I have um, you know when I ran 218 I thought I was in shape for 215 or 216 so I still feel like I have so much left in me and I think that's that's what really really keeps me focused for all these uh, weeks of sustained training because I know one of these days it's going to happen 
-hmm. you know, there are guys that I race, you know, here and there every single day who, you know, I've beaten many times and have run much faster than me. So um, by racing them and doing the same workouts they're doing and being able to, to handle the same training for a long period of time, I think uh, my time is eventually going to come. And uh, for me, one of the things that has really helped me is that I'm self-driven, I'm self-motivated. So I can, you know, I can train by myself for many, many months uh, here and there. You know, like, like now for the past, you know, four months, I've just been, basically been doing all the mileage by myself. And, and I think if you can stay self-motivated for a long time, uh, eventually something is going to happen. And I'm just waiting for my day to happen. And Ruben, you just listed off a bunch of names there that are kind of like local heroes. Those are the, those are the New England guys, and you're one of them, the people that, you know, of, of New Englanders, when you show up to the New England Grand Prix in these big races, you guys are kind of at the top, always grinding it out for the win. And, you know, I think a lot of people come out of college and they go right into to, to pro running, and they're kind of given that opportunity by a brand right away. But then you look at something like the New England Grand Prix, and I almost kind of see that as like the minor leagues for our for our sport and every once in a while you see somebody grind it out get to the top of the minor leagues and and then get an opportunity to kind of compete at the pros kind of get that get that shot at the at the show when you show up to an international event you know you race in the olympics in 2016 is there a chip on your shoulder is there anything where you're showing up to the starting line it's like listen these guys that i'm racing against you know, they came out of college. They got that opportunity. I had to work harder than them to get here. I had to do that 40 to 50 hours a week job and, and still manage to get in my 120 miles a week. Yeah, I mean, I think I've always had a chip on my shoulder, uh, not, not just through college, but since high school. You know, I've never been, you know, quite like the talented person in high school. I've always wondered why so many people were faster than me, even though I was training so hard. Uh, you know, through college, kind of like the same thing didn't really have that early success on and, you know, grinded through, you know, summer training and, uh, you know, working pretty much all summer doing all sorts of different jobs and, and always feeling like, you know, the underdog, but uh, that's something that I've kind of become accustomed to and having gone to, 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 to a lot of international competitions. Now, I think I'm, I'm a little bit more, more mature now uh, where it doesn't, you know, when I go to meets and when I go to meets now, I'm not, uh, I'm not as nervous as I used to. Uh, now I, kind of, I just kind of go in and uh, before I think you know as a lot of people graduate college they you know they sometimes find themselves do I go to a training camp or do I work part-time and continue running or do I go full-time and you know and try to make it to the to the running scene even though I know it's going to be hard because you know, you're going to be pretty tired it's not easy running 100 mile weeks and you know just rather than you know getting that extra two-hour you know, nap and having to you know, go to work and be on your feet all day. But now I kind of go into races and uh, that's something that, you know, I pride myself with that I'm, I'm building a future uh, for myself, uh, for my, for my country, for my family. At the same time, I'm able to do what I love. And I think for me, what's more, more important is to have that lifelong sustainable running. Uh, I don't want to run just between the ages of, you know, 20 to 35. I want to be able to, to have sustainable you know, running 45, 55, if I can keep doing it and having fun and not feeling like I'm sacrificing like every single thing, then, you know, that's, that's kind of like my dream, uh, whether, you know, whether I run a PR or not, but if I love what I'm doing, I, I just keep on doing it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love, you know, just getting out and, 
and you know each day getting a little bit better than the next day uh, and seeing what I can what I can do myself things that I thought you know weren't possible and, and, it, and that kind of stuff you know sometimes it's not just it's not just PRs or anything like that it's just your own running like today you know I, I got back from from Bar Harbor uh, in Acadia Park yesterday where I had a pretty hard 20 mile uh, at Acadia if any of you guys have been to Acadia you know there's there's literally no there's no flat section it's there. hills it's either, out there <laughs> yeah it's either you're going up or you're coming down uh, so I did hard 20 mile there yesterday and today I came I was like man I came back home and I was like I'm pretty sore today. My, my legs are really, really sore. And I didn't really know what to expect. Then I just went out there and all of a sudden I just started cruising sub six minute pace. And, and then I come home and I tell myself, you know, sometimes the, the runs that you least want to do are the ones that end up being the best. And, and that's, it's kind of like a mystery out there. So every day it's something new uh, when you go outside and run. So that makes it really a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you touched upon a lot there, but one thing I've always kind of admired about the way that you view the sport is I think a lot of people love running because they're good at running. I think you're good at running because you genuinely love running. And and I guess has it always been that way for you or have you gone through stretches? Cause I mean, for someone like me and I think a lot of us out there, it's like, it's, it's hard to imagine just having this constant, love relationship with running i mean i've gone through a ton of stretches where just like i hate it i hate the sport and, and i and i need a break from it have you gone through any stretches or, or any periods of time where it was like you kind of lost that love of the sport a little bit yeah i mean i think we all do for me personally uh, it's been those stretches where i, I have been injured uh, and there's really uh, if you love running there's nothing worse than getting an injury and not not knowing what the what the outcome is going to be for the next couple of months um, you know I've had surgeries uh, I've had broken bones uh, this past winter I was out from around November until January and you know I gained 20 pounds and really went on vacation and did almost absolutely no running speaking but, my language Ruben yeah. <laughs> so I was just kind of you know I said to myself I've, I've been in this position before you know I've been hurt I've taken four months completely off and when you come back, I think sometimes people think, you know, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be sort of like normal and then you get really, really fast. No, when you come back from an injury, you feel like you're basically learning how to run again. You feel like you're, you're back in the, in, the, in the eighth grade and the coach is asking you to run a lap. Uh, I remember back in January, I, uh, I went for a three mile run and I think I did it just over 24 minutes. So about eight minute pace. And I was absolutely thirsty, hot, sweating. I felt like I was carrying a piano on my shoulder. And, uh, you know, just to think, you know, I, I, but I kept going, I kept the consistency, you know, the, those seven thirties then became seven minute pace and then seven minute pace became really hard. And then eventually seven minute phase became like an easy recovery day. And now I'm kind of, I feel like, Hey man, that was all worth it. Uh, you know, now I know if I get injured again, if I have to start at eight thirty pace again, I don't really care. As long as you keep going every single day, um, you know, you know, you're going to get back to it. And you know, the dark, you know, that dark phase is sort of like behind you. So now I'm at a point where I'm really, I'm not really scared anymore. If I, if I get injured, it's not a big deal. I just take the time off and enjoy myself and come back and start training again. But there are those times where, uh, you know, you're obviously going to, 
you know, feel a little bit discouraged if you have a bad race. But everything, you know, in running, you just got to give it time. You got to just kind of relax. A lot of the, a lot of the Kenyans, uh, one of the big advantages they have over, you know, uh, non-African runners, a lot of the African runners, they're able to come back from races like no one I've ever seen. Like you could see, you could see this East, East African runner finish dead last in the race. And they'll come back the next race and they'll lead the race. And that's the kind of attitude that I think sometimes we miss. And we kind of start thinking too much in our heads where you got to just let it go. And, you know, just come back to, to, to a new race like, it, like it's a new you. It's a new season. Uh, you know, don't, don't, don't think too much about it. Just go and, you know, give it all you've got. If it happens, it happens. You know, no regrets. Yeah, Ruben, you definitely kind of demonstrating the mindset that runners need to have to have success um, and kind of, you know, learn a lot from it. But one thing that is, I know has contributed to your success that we haven't talked about um, is the fact that you're a heart rate monitor guy. I recently yeah. became converted to the heart rate monitor and um, I guess I'm a little confused. I haven't really changed anything else in my running. Maybe I'm running a little less now, but I haven't yeah. got as fast as I thought I was going to since wearing the monitor. So I have two part question for you. One, what am I doing wrong? And two, how do I, how do I look cooler? Cause I saw you with one on maybe just a couple months ago and I, I don't know if I pull it off as well. So if you could help me with that, I would really much. Well, agree. you know, I, I, so I bought, I bought a polar belt, uh, heart rate monitor and, uh, it, it, it's, you know, some, some people don't really, some people will give you weird looks, especially in the summertime. If you're running shirtless, I bought one that's kind of like orange. So it sort of like almost blends in with my skin. So people don't really see it from far. So that's a good tip. Don't, don't get a black one. Get like an orange or maybe like a, a brownish one that kind of blends in. So I started using it because the, the heart rate monitor on my, uh, on my garment was, it was way off. Uh, so what I found out is, you know, I, I, I had a, uh, I had some tests done in the lab where I knew where my max heart rate is. And based on my on my age, I sort of kind of knew, okay, these are you know my five zones that I should really be training in. Um, you know, there's there's the for me personally, I know when I when I'm running under 135 uh, beats per minute, I should feel completely recovered if I do that two days in a row. And then I know that you know between 135 to like 150, it's kind of like a regular training day for me. And then I know once I'm over, you know, 155 and start getting into the one, 160s, then I know, okay, that was a hard training day. And then racing is usually once, you know, I'm over like 165 and higher to 180s, uh, 170s, 180s. So I think for me, like even some days when it's really, really hot and humid, you know, I look and all of that's gonna, it's gonna affect your heart rate. Even if, say for example, if you had a hard workout the day before, even though you may be running slow, you may actually have to run even slower so you can recover because it's so hot. So having the, the heart rate really helps me to make sure that I know uh, what my true effort is. And then second, the huge advantage of the heart rate, I think that a lot of people don't know about this, is for example, on a, on a day that I'm doing like a, a really hard 15 mile run, I know, okay, I can keep my heart rate average at 160 for at least like 90 minutes. So whenever I'm in a race, like say if I'm doing like a tempo run and it's, it's five miles and I look, I look at my watch and my heart rate is like 160, even though I feel a little bit tired, I tell myself, I know I can keep this heart rate. No matter what the pace actually says, I know I will keep this heart rate at 160. 
and that 160 will then translate to you know whether it's a five flat phase or whatever so it really helps me uh know exactly what my efforts truly are there you go trent so I, the, the answer to your question is you just can't look as cool as Ruben with heart rate monitor. I need a, I need a different color heart rate. And then I took away, uh, I can go sl- even slower than I thought on my slow days. <laughs> Those are the yeah, two yeah, main yeah, you took away. yeah, you pretty much hit it right on the head there, Trent. <laughs> Ruben, yeah. so we, we, mentioned, we mentioned a little bit earlier that you were 2016 uh, Olympian. And, 2012. Uh, I'm sorry, 2012 Olympian. Yeah. Um, and you ran for, for Cape Verde, which is where you were, you were born. And, uh, you know, I think when you're here in the United States, unless you're kind of in a running circle here in New England, people don't really know that you're kind of an elite level runner. What's it like when you go back to Cape Verde as, a, as an Olympian? Are you kind of seen as a, as a, you know, big time pro athlete? Are you kind of treated as a hero there? Or people just kind of treat you the same that they do here in the United States? Uh, it, it's weird because when I go back home, people think that I don't have a job, that my job is only running. <laughs> And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's like, I actually have a full-time job. And uh, I think I try to explain to them uh, that, you know, running is kind of still a developing sport in Cape Verde. And uh, I, I, I'd like to think that I've, I've helped contribute to a lot of, uh, you know, the development, the knowledge, the coaches, and, you know, having, you know, having to break some of their records have definitely pushed a lot of people after me, uh, you know, who are much younger to, to you know, continue chasing the sport. But I think for me, one of the things that I've been able to, um, to talk to a lot of them about is just being able to do really hard work. Uh, when I went back, you know, I would run with some of the athletes, the, the sort of like the, the better athletes from there. And, um, you know, in Cape Verde, we're just so used to like soccer, uh, where we think five kilometers or, you know, three miles is like a pretty long run for a soccer player, it might be. But then really teaching them like, this is actually like the training philosophy, like of a distance runner. You actually have to run a lot and no, you don't need to run really fast. So basically teaching them a lot of like the training philosophy of what you need to do, that it takes many years of uh, aerobic development to get to a level where you want to be and teaching them that, you know, running is not, especially distance running, it's not a sport that you can just pick up at 18 or 19 years old. You really got to start young and there's, you know, I hate to say this, you know, every once in a while, you'll see that kid in college who, you know, maybe started running their junior year in high school, but it's, you know, nine out of 10 times, if you really are going to be a good runner, you got to really start like no later than like ninth or 10th grade. uh, If you really want to kind of take running seriously. And for me, (laughs) and for me, uh, one of the things that I've been able to do is go back there and really talk to them about training and, and teaching them that even though I'm in the U.S., uh, nothing is really given to me. I still got to work really hard. And uh, some of them will say, oh, you know, you, you have better training facilities there. And, you know, you have better technology. And I tell them, no, this is where you, get, you guys get it all wrong. Because as a distance runner, you don't, you don't really need that much technology. Like, you know, in, in Ethiopia and Uganda and in, in Kenya, they really don't have much technology. If anything, Cape Verde, has, they have so much of, of an advantage on me because when I, where I train in New England in the wintertime, you know, Steve, you guys all know, you know, you, you go to work and when you come back 4.30, it's like dark and it's snowing. What are you going to do? So I tell them, you guys got to really take advantage. It's like nice and warm in Cape Verde, 80 degrees year round. You can finish your run at 8 o'clock and walk to the beach, take a nice bath, take a nice, nice jump in the Sounds water, amazing. come back. 
And I, I, I kind of tell them like, you guys got it all here. Like you don't need anything else. You're like, I know, you know, track is nice for doing workouts, you know, maybe having like some technology, some multi G treadmills, but you really don't. You get, sometimes we, we have all this extra stuff and it just gets us confused about the whole picture. What we really need to do is, you know, is just work with what you have. Um, they say, if, you, if your grass isn't greener, you gotta just water it. So that's, that's what I do with my training. <laughs> I love that. I mean, the way you just described it, like, I don't know, have you ever considered, you know, taking a year off the, uh, the day job heading down to Cape Verde and just, you know, crushing a year of training down there? Uh, I thought about it, but uh, yeah, I, I wish that that would happen. So uh, I did take 10 day, uh, a 10 day vacation in January where it was nice to be there and train, but unfortunately I was injured. So just kind of <laughs> just enjoyed my time there. Um, when I'm there, it, you know, it's, I, I have so many friends from there. It, it is pretty busy for me when I'm there. I'm basically, basically what I do when I go there is I do my training really, really early in the morning and then just sketch up with friends, uh, you know, for most of the day, afternoon, and then maybe do another easy training later. You're kind of, you're kind of getting into it there a little bit. And I loved hearing you talk about kind of like, sharing the the culture of running and trying to you know teach and and, and coach in a lot of ways the the athletes there so i think that's a, a perfect transition into kind of what you do for your day job and, and what you're doing with Lowell running can, can you talk a little bit about what you you know your day job is and and why that's important to you so i've worked at umass Lowell um since well, I you also ran yes I, I ran at umass Lowell for uh, undergrad and grad school and then right after that i worked um in student affairs doing financial administration and I was a finance uh, major and then last year I had the opportunity to make a lateral move from student affairs to the athletic programs um, so I was hired as an athletic director so I worked directly with the uh, with my supervisor who's the AD for the athletic department on uh, a lot of different uh, student athletes uh, programs there uh, this year it's been you know kind of it, you guys have been following it's been kind of like a roller coaster in college athletics so things are all over the place and you know everything is everything changes from a week-to-week -week basis but uh besides my uh my full-time job uh in 2016 i started a, a coaching um a coaching business called low running uh, so using online online uh training log connecting with uh with Final Search for a platform that allows uh, coaches and athletes uh, to interact with each other. So uh, it's, it's kind of like slowly started growing with uh, more coaches and then more athletes. And uh, now we have, you know, all sort of different athletes trained for different marathons. We've had at least one athlete at, last, at every single uh, world marathon major last year. We had athletes in like five different continents. Uh, training from anything from track to like, you know, 100K races. So it's been fun uh, working with, uh, with athletes and trying to really help them improve uh, their goals in the marathon. And for me, it's really enjoyable because a lot, of the, a lot of the knowledge and education that I've accumulated over the past 20 years, uh, it just becomes really, really easy for me to translate that and explain it to whether it's the beginning, beginner runner or an elite runner. So how do people find it? If, they, if they're interested in some training advice or if they're interested in, you know, maybe signing up for some coaching, how do people find, uh, find out about Lowell Running? It's pretty easy. Just type lowellrunning.com and the website will come up and you can just 
you know, it's, it's right there. You can just either subscribe or you can just uh, send me a, a, a comment or message there and I'll get back to you. Or you can email me at Ruben underscore, uh, Ruben at um, lowrunning.com and I'll uh, get back to you. But the platform is, is pretty simple and nice to follow uh, because it, it, uh, it, it uses all sort of GPS technology. So you could be in Australia and as soon as you finish your run, one of our coaches here in the U.S. will know exactly where you run. Uh, you know, every morning you get like a text message telling you, hey, Steve, get out of bed. You got a five-mile run today, you know. So you get a text message. It syncs with your calendar. So it is all sort of like cool stuff. And we try to keep it as friendly as possible. So we don't do anything like charge like cancellation fees or anything like that. We're, we're just really friendly to helping all runners that you can work with. I uh, you just said, hey, Steve, there's this thing called the internet and you just put mm -hmm. lol running into the search bar and that's how you find it. Yes. Yeah. Don't know if you ever heard of it. I appreciate not having to be from lol as someone that, you know, likes to make fun of lol because of where the Dungeon Brothers are. It's good to hear that I can participate in these training plans that I have and, you know, to move the lol for my, my amateur running career. Yeah. You, you got to get on the lol training plan. <laughs> well, hey, Ruben, that leads very nicely into our last part of the interview. We end every interview with a quick game. So, Mike, why don't you kick off down the home stretch? Yeah, so down the home stretch, we got a big race coming up in a month, a peak two early two miler. Yes, so, I've heard about it. Yeah, it's a big one coming up. Everyone's got to register for it. And uh, I think we're all at, you know, the place in our career we need a little bit of coaching advice. So, you are down the home stretch topic is going to be coaching advice for the p2e2 miler trent's going to hit you with the first question all right let's go all right ruben so i was checking out your, your blog uh separate than lowrun.com you have rubensanka.blogspot.com yeah and in your bio you write running is not just something you do for a short period of time and expect quick results has the the literature on that changed recently like do i have a chance of expecting big results after taking some time off here yeah i mean they, they do say that Talent never goes away. So right. that's another theory. <laughs> so if you do have some talent, uh, you, you got to just kind of, it's there. You got to just light the fire. That's all. So I feel encouraged. So Ruben, Mike has become a little bit of a clubhouse cancer with the fact that he's just not running and he's just been very negative. So any advice to, uh, to deal with a negative teammate? Uh, you know, maybe start sending him like some really motivational, like videos to watch, uh, when I need a little bit of motivation, I'll go on Instagram and start just looking up random videos to kind of get you going. So start sending him some videos early morning. Uh, like when, once he opens his phone at like whatever time he gets up, you want that to be the first thing he watches in the morning before he gets up. Good idea. I like it. Sure. This wasn't the question I was going to ask, but based on Steve's, I'll pivot a little bit here. Uh, do you have any advice with dealing with teammates who – uh, come to your house and make you drink all day long and keep you up too late and, uh, you know, are a bad influence on your training habits? Uh, <laughs> that, well, that's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe you could turn off the lights before they get home, <laughs> fall asleep. <laughs> uh, you know, they might, they, they might, they might go for that. I uh, think, thinking you're, you're, you're really like passed out. Uh, yeah. Good advice. Or maybe if you if you're gonna drink like if you're gonna have like a Captain Morgan's and Coke, you know, just put like a tiny tiny bit of Captain Morgan and fill it up with like 98% Coke and make them think that you're drinking with them. I like that. Trick them into you know 
I was drinking them all night. It's good, yeah. good advice. Uh, Ruben, can I successfully go through a blood doping cycle in four weeks? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I don't recommend you do blood doping since it's illegal, but um, I don't know. Uh, you tell me. <laughs> well, I hadn't heard their drug testing for the race. So I'm, I'm going to keep it. I was going to say, I, I think I'm open to leaving blood doping legal for the peak too early two mile, but we'll, we'll discuss that later. Yeah, maybe if it doesn't hurt you. <laughs> Ruben, I haven't been running very much, but I've been eating a ton of beta alanine. Do you think that helps? Well, you got to do, if you haven't been running, I hope you have at least been like biking or something. I've just been eating a ton of beta alanine. Just by the spoonful. You'll, you, if you have four weeks to go, you can still make up a lot of timing. I mean, I'm not sure you're going to run your best, but you will improve uh, rather than just uh, running. All right, all right, I'll try so the only change I've really made to my running, except for maybe like running a little bit more, is I've added like two to three stride outs at the end of my runs. How much faster can I expect that to make me? Now, that, Mike, will actually help you a lot. Let's so go. Here is a good advice, a good strategy that I give people if they want to get in shape quick and they hate doing workouts. So, for example, if you're going to go on a, a five-mile run, you know, run the first four miles really, really easy. And then the next mile, what you want to do is 20 seconds of hard stride and then about 30 seconds off. So don't do any workouts. Don't change into any flats. You don't need any of that. Just do that maybe twice a week. On Tuesday, do five miles. Last mile, you do 20 seconds hard, 30 seconds easy to finish out that mile. And then Thursday, do the same thing. Just keep doing that for three weeks and you'll be ready to go for this uh, P2 mile. That's nice. Training P-Flow, producer Flow, hit him with the last question. All right. So I've always been somebody that can be motivated, motivated by a coach who's a little bit mean to me. I had a college baseball coach once tell me I was an automatic out before I went up <laughs> to the plate for a, a very important at-bat. Um, I have a big competition with Mike for the peak to early two-miler. Can you say something mean to me that I can think about on my runs now that I'm getting to this running thing moving forward? Man, I, 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 it's hard for me to be mean. I can try, but, uh, you know, Pat, uh, you, you don't want to get beaten by Mike and, and having Mike say that he didn't train. So I think, you get, yeah, I, I don't know how to put this into words, but you got to just get moving, buddy. <laughs> I was, like that. Was, that was vicious. You got to just move. <laughs> you got to just move. Uh, Ruben, this, this interview has been a long time coming. It was a pleasure having you on. Um, it was great chatting with you, and we're going to be cheering for you in the future, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate, uh, you know, I watch some of your Instagrams all the time and all the cool stuff you guys doing out there and keeping running, you know, cool, fun sports. Uh, you know, it's, it's fun to keep running. And my only thing I have to tell people is, you know, when you're, when you're done, run, done running in college, uh, there's so many opportunities out there uh, to continue running, whether you're still working full-time or, or whatever but just uh, the most important thing is just to keep it fun and keep it really entertaining and i think what you guys are doing uh, is really motivating for a lot of people out there thank you that means a lot man that interview with Ruben Sanka is brought to you by Bell Lab Track and Field Gear where all of your purchases go directly back to athletes Bell Lab Track and Field look good feel good run good
there it is, folks. I didn't have the attitude there. I just just swung it, and I thought I crushed it. You did. You did. You did a great job there, Mike. Yeah, it. and we said it before. We'll say it again. You got to go to Bell Lab Track and Field gear. Check out what they're doing. I'm always stunned by the amount of stuff that they're getting, the kind of, the kind of stuff they're getting. You know, it's a, it's a, if, you're, if you're a runner, if you're into runner culture, you got to go there. You got to follow them. You got to check stuff out. So. Mike, you did a good job, but you would have done better if – you had mentioned that just a couple weeks ago, they tossed out some like 1992 USA national oh, team dude, those singlets. Were, those like, were they're throwing throwback fire. gear out there. Yeah, this is not the new stuff that we like to complain about that's got, you know, purple and, and I don't know, teal out there. This is some red, white, and blue memorabilia throwback. You'd be the coolest kid in town. I've been Man, on the record I saw before. that, I'd be placing a bit on that. I didn't know that they had that out there. I got a they had 92, 2000, they had all sorts of old school gear. Dang. I've been on the record before, and I'll say it again. I thought those the new uniforms were cool. They were garbage. I thought, I thought they were cool. I liked they were them. garbage. Bad take. No, I liked them. I thought they were good. <laughs> Bad take. All right. Mike mentioned earlier in the show that we were together this weekend. We played a little golf. We did a little day drinking. The day drinking turned into afternoon to to you know late afternoon drinking into night drinking, and we uh, we watched some UFC. We did a little gambling on UFC. It was a great night. But the conversation came up. We were talking about weight classes and how fighters move up and down weight classes. And we were talking about what if track and field had weight classes and who would benefit from moving up and down. So I think the traditional thought process in, in the fight game, whether it's UFC, boxing, is if you're able to come down a weight class, as long as you're not losing power, if you're coming down, you're, you're naturally like a, a stronger bigger framed athlete and you're going to do better if you come down a weight class than if you move up a weight class my argument to mike was if you're a runner your game plan needs to be to just be a smaller person and gain as much weight as you can what do you guys think i mean it's such a wild concept that who knows how this would ever work but i mean it would be crazy right and and it is it is pretty wild that like in other sports like wrestling and UFC, this has just become part of the culture this like weight changing and weight shifting and like to do it in, in track and field would be very interesting, right? Because you'd have to look at the events differently and how things would come. I mean, like imagine if you had like a 130 pound shot put division, right? And it's not just the distance events. It's not just the sprinting, but everything else would change. And then, you know, maybe I'm starting to, to think about changing my career path and, and going to throw in the, the 130 division. But I think that there is a market, right, in distance running for the bigger runners now, right? You know, your, your larger runners who might be able to sustain – bumping up as much as they can and wait and they you know they've been running this way their whole life and now all of a sudden you know it finds a way to to find their market so i think it could be an interesting concept mike mike you you say you think there's a market for this but i guarantee you there is a market for the heavyweight milers and maybe maybe 5k takes a little too long for the heavyweight 100 meter runners the heavyweight milers i mean Maybe it's not, you know, an Olympic event anytime soon, but you have big track meets. We've talked about having like the celebrity 100 meter dash and how much of a, a fan, you know, loved event that would be. Let's get the heavyweight milers out there, the, the offensive linemen, right, that are, that are a little more quicker than you think, seeing them ride the mile. I mean, that's, that's can't miss TV right there. So, Trent, I, it's almost like I've heard you say that before. 
the reason I wanted to talk about this is I believe that I could be the heavyweight champion of the world in the mile. <laughs> Whoa. Well, what would the heavyweight I, division be? I truly be? believe like, this. I saw here's so I think you have to go off to go off go off of boxing weight. So what's a what's a okay. what's the heavyweight class? What's a heavyweight um in, in boxing? This is a guess. It's like high two hundreds, right? No, no. It's low two hundreds. I think it's two ten. Profile, can you can you figure that out for us? Over two hundred pounds. pounds. Over two hundred pounds. Over two hundred pounds. Okay. There we go. So I mean, in college, I was racing like I when I was so I, I would line up on the line and I I guarantee you I was forty to fifty pounds heavier than every single person that I was racing against there. And guys, the you know, the state of the you know, the reality, the state of where I am right now, it wouldn't take a lot for me to get to two hundred pounds. <laughs> if I loosen up a little bit, if I just if I just let it let it go a little bit, I think I could get to two hundred pounds pretty easily. I truly believe that this this is the athletic event that I am the best at. If we put together if we put together a heavyweight mile, I think that like that it, that would be my gold medal event. So let, let me just say this. Yes, I, I I understand your points. You're making good points there. But if there was a heavyweight division, a 200 plus division, don't you think it would encourage maybe the people who you know, weren't in the same weight class as you, but were far better runners, you know, maybe that like second tier, like name, runners who, could, who couldn't make it to, to bump themselves up and ha- Mike, give themselves name, a gold medal. Name a runner, name a runner that you know in your life that has the, that is faster than me, that has the ability to get to 200 pounds. You don't think that if one of these pro athletes, you know, who might be name a, a no. bigger dude already, you don't think that they could tack on some weight? And, I'm and saying name one, name one, dude. I I just started watching running like a year ago. I need to like go through my my data. So let's say, so let's say, it out. But let's let's talk on. about today. Come on, let's there's talk. some elite athletes out there. Sony, let's, let's, Sony Michelle. You think Sony Michelle can beat me in the mile? No, not chance. a chance. I don't know. Not a no chance, chance in hell. No, not a chance in hell. <laughs> no, no, not a chance in hell. I mean, how big do you think some of these, like, you know, these six two, six three runners are that are pretty big pro dudes. runners? I guarantee you they're 40 pounds less than I am right now. Steve, I don't think you need to, like, have an organized competition here. Like, Guinness World Records takes any kind of thing. You should just put it out there. You should set the bar. Get yourself up 200. You know, take a couple months here. and, and, and I don't think I need a couple night. months, Trent. I think <laughs> right? I can get there. You give me another tough – you give me another brutal weekend in Connecticut at Mike's house, I think I could get there. Let's, let's ship right. you down to Connecticut. Get you on the golf course. Just get, get you know, just heavy beers and pizza and Thai food all weekend. And then let's just have you set the bar and see if anyone can beat you. Let's let's put it out there. So, Steve, on my just quick search, the first name that came to my head. I feel bad. I'm not trying to make a statement on this guy. It was just the first name that came to my head, and I looked up, you know, at his when he was a pro, you know, doing his doing the damn thing. How much did Andrew Weeding weigh? He weighed oh, 181 okay. so pounds. Okay. All right. All right. Mean, no, you, that you, you, you bring up a very good pounds. point. He probably gained 19 pounds already, and he'd smash you. Okay. All right. So that's my competition. But here's the One thing, point. Mike. Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Me versus Andrew Weeding at over two hundred pounds. The fact that that's a legitimate conversation. And it's that's something not we, a legitimate. Oh, conversation. yes, it is. Yes, it I is. I'm one athlete. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It was just I, the first thing that came to my head. No, no. You get him up to two hundred pounds. 
and and I and I, I get two hundred pounds. You give you give me give me six months. That's a legitimate competition. But yes. Mike, you named you named the one guy that because he is known for being one of the bigger biggest mid distance runners of all time. Right? I don't think I named the one guy. I just think no, I named na- one guy. Well, think of somebody else. Like he is known for right, being g- like. Give the me biggest... a second. I'll go back into my. All right, Rolodex. go for it again. I mean, you guys talk, and I'll figure it out. We're, we're on a slippery slope here. If we're calling out athletes that are a little bit heavier <laughs> no. than your average distance runner, we're we're talking about Andrew Reading's weight on the podcast here. I mean, I'm Steve. I'm I'm not gonna go against you here. I think again, like if you add twenty to thirty pounds to any of these runners, that might Don't totally to throw them off, to 30 right? Pounds. The, the mental, not you, not you. <laughs> I'm going to say over runners. time, I don't need to add 20 to 30 no, pounds. I'm, talk, I'm talking with Andrew, for example. Not that, okay. again, I want to bring attention to anyone's weight here. But if he had to add 20, 30 points, that could totally throw off, that could get him injured, right? That could, that could throw off his psyche, right? There's a lot of the element variables that go into it. Um, so I don't care what other runners could bring themselves up to. You have a chance to set the bar, and I think you should. So, like, and here's the crazy thing. Like, and I, and I was thinking about this the other day because I put a lot of thought into this. And it's like, how did weight classes come come about in combat sports, like wrestling, boxing, or whatever? And they didn't come about in other sports. And you know, say the course of the course of history changed, where you know, the track and field was was less distances, but they had different they had different weight classes, right? You know, that I could have been an Olympian. I just want to say I love the the origin of this conversation i wasn't there for when you guys were discussing this but this is the sunday morning like long runs that we're missing out on right now by kind of having to do our own thing and not getting together in big groups i mean this was a throwback to you know college days with the group and somebody has a ridiculous proposition and then somehow it gets you know two months of debate out of it i i loved it well trent and so this is this is the funny this is probably the funniest part about this conversation is mike and i started having this conversation over a few miller lights and we started going down this path and this thought popped into my head and mike was talking and i just said hey mike stop talking let's save it for the podcast what we should what we should have done and said was just gather our mics and just start recording right then because if you think we're going off the rails now i mean we're about to go seriously off the rails i mean that might have gone the way of the bachelor party chronicle so yep hidden episode the, the way we're calling out people in their weight right now i'm glad we didn't do that <laughs> i'll tell you right now i'll tell you right now we are we are you know opening opening weekend or opening week of the of the p2e two miler registration went very well but we said we're capping it at 150 and i think we'll get there eventually so if you haven't signed up you gotta go sign up now but if we hit if we hit 150 registrations by the end of this week we'll release the bachelor party chronicles what do you think i'm scared yeah we might have to make the bar higher than 150 but we'll think about it. no no the cap's 150 if you don't sign up before 150 you're not getting in so and we will hit that number so if you haven't signed up you got to do it now i need to go re-listen to the so mike did you party chronicles and uh did you What's did up? you find anybody else? You said you so were I, did, go I, find- I did I did a couple other names here. And here's the thing, right? Like I could go all day and I'm sure I could find a bunch of people, but on quick searches, it's like let, let's think about this for a second, right? These we're looking up athletes who are prime distance runners. But let, you know, there I could find a handful of them I already did that are like in like mid like one sixties. And you're telling me that if those guys gained thirty who? pounds, if name one. I just pulled up a bunch. All right, I got <clears throat> let's see chris Selinsky, 165 i don't think he could get to 200 you don't think he could get to one i don't 200? think he could get to, i don't think he could get to 200 i mean i just think he could i don't think he could david radisha 
Just What's under he 170. At? He's 168. I don't think he could get to 200. I, I don't think it would be that hard. The only name you said who pounds. I believe, I truly believe Andrew Weeding could get to 200, no problem. The, the, these are professional distance runners. I mean, it wouldn't be that hard for him to gain 25, 30 pounds. It just wouldn't be. I think I it love, would. I think it would be very hard. I oh, love Steve's confidence on. right now. Steve, Steve thinks he's the greatest in the world at this, and he's not just going to back down because he's throwing out I some truly out believe there, this. Mike. I truly believe this. Well, so the I, only thing you're telling me that if the only thing David Radisha would have to do to beat you is to gain 32 pounds, and you don't think he could do it? So hold on. So I'll say this. So let's say it has to be like within a reasonable time frame. So let's say we, we, we pick the date for six months. Do I think he could gain 32 pounds in six months and still be able to beat me? Not a chance. To, to the, 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 the amount of, the, amount of the, the toll your body would take putting on 30 pounds in six months would not be conducive to running a fast mile. Steve, I am sorry. David Rudisha could gain 30 pounds in two months and still no, smoke No, these, these yes, professional runners, these oh professional runners their, their bodies are so frail and they, can, they, they, they slip off their diet a little bit. They're screwed. I have been training. I have been, I've been hammering cheeseburgers and millilites and, and running miles my entire life. I can handle this. These guys who went into the Olympics, they're pro runners. They can't handle it is what I'm saying. I'm not saying that he needs to run some crazy fast time. He just has to beat you, Steve. I mean, you're a great runner. I respect your career. I respect what you're doing out there. But this is freaking David Radisha we're talking about here. Come on. What are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? And, and, and he put on, he he got put on 50 he put pounds. On, he put on he 40 did. pounds in six months. I think you'd have a pretty miserable David Radisha that can't, that can't run it, very well. Of course we'd have a miserable It would be horrible to watch but he's still david radish that, that's an important variable though too like david was gonna have to want to add 30 to 40 pounds right sure. like how many guys you could you can make an argument that guys can move up in the weight class in boxing right and and compete for a title there but why would they they can compete at the the 180 level they can compete at the 160 level i mean it's not just that guys could potentially do it right could lebron james be a great football player yeah probably but he's not so we can't talk about that can david Risha run fast and steve over 200 he's never going to get himself there so that's an important so thing to forget about so you guys are looking at this the wrong way no i'm so, on your side steve so i think a professional runner i think you you nailed you hit the nail on the head there andrew weeding would be strong competition for me but strong I think, oh my i think i think for the insane. most part i think for the most part professional runners don't stand a chance you're looking at this the wrong way i think you need to get like a you need to get like a soccer player or somebody that has an endurance-based sport that is naturally bigger. Flo, I see you looking. There's not a single football player in the world that could beat me in, in a mile. There's just not. There's, you know, probably okay. not a basketball player either. But, again, this is from my perspective. I don't know a ton about running, but I know people are going to be on my side. Sony Michelle is like 218. There so is six not months. He drops chance. a few. No, a mile is not n- that long. He's faster There's not than you. a chance in hell. Over, over 40 yards. There is not a chance in hell. Flo, oh, there is man. not a chance in hell. Guys, can you please, can you please back me up on that so, one at least? I, you beat Tony Michelle. But to say that there's not That's a basketball not player. It's just not an argument. To say that there's not a basketball player or a football player on the planet that could beat you in a mile. I mean, Steve, what, what are we running for A professional for a mile? football player? A professional football player. If you put Steve up on the line versus every player in the NFL, 
I, he's not there's guaranteed not a chance. to win, but he, there's but not he's, a chance. But he's no, 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 no. There's a chance you lose. But you're Tiger. Who? Who? You're Tiger. You're prime. You're Tell the heavy favorite. You, I'm saying you're the heavy favorite, right? But, Things could go wrong, but you are the heavy favorite so, if you go but, against any NFL. Like player right I now. think. Let's, well, let's well, put this in normal I think, terms. I think there's a there's mo- like even even the best most in shape running backs in the NFL would have a very hard time breaking six minutes in the mile. They wouldn't be running back. They're like cornerback or something. Or cornerback. They be running they, back. I, don't, I don't know if there's a single NFL player that could break six. Like, with, if you train, like, if they trained, like, yes, they could. But if you put them on the line tomorrow, I don't know if there's many NFL players that could break six minutes in the mile. All right, fair. You said six months, so that's why I'm trying to pick. Even my in guy six that... months, Sony Michelle doesn't stand a chance. Not nah, can be Sony Michelle. No, he's, Sony Michelle does not stand a chance. You don't think that there is a single, not a one professional basketball player or football player that can break a five minute mile. You know, there's oh, a basketball for sure. For, for sure. You said, you just said, that no, 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 basketball no, no, no. When I, when I said, when I, when I meant, when I said basketball was, I think that the heavyweight champion in the mile, right? Okay. So if they, if we were both bug up and we had the same amount of training, I think I could beat, I could beat all the basketball players. Yes. I believe that. I still feel like you're hurting from that 100 plus mile week you had. I think I have that in my brain. But I just feel like Richard Sherman, 194 pounds, like they're so – these NFL chance. players are so not fast. It's so Pat, different. Pat, Pat, it, 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 not a chance. I'm telling you, not a chance in hell. Well, we got to do it now. All right. Fine. What, what, what if you – are you saying just like if they stepped on a line right now or they're just like – like what if you gave an NFL player six months to train for a mile? Then it think? becomes a much different – it becomes a much different competition. Okay. I believe that. I, I, I think that I could be heavyweight champion of the world in a mile. I, I, love, it. I love your confidence. Love it. I mean, I wish there was a way to know. I wish yeah, there is. You should run it, make it out there, and someone can beat it if they can. All right. I mean, that's a good point. Steve, I think you should go set the, set the heavyweight, the heavyweight world record, and we'll go from there. Content, 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 content. We will belt you heavyweight of the world, Steve. And then people will go, this is what's going to blow up peak too early. Are you kidding me? Let's do it. Let's but we do can't, it. We can't measure gonna... it in weight. We have to measure it in stone. In stone. <laughs> but I'm, immediate, I'm immediately, the second you run that time, going to hit up Andrew Weeding and tell him to go smash it by a minute and a half. Oh, oh, and that's the other thing. That's the other thing. If it's a true heavyweight championship of the world, it's not a record. You have to like do it head to head. Does that <laughs> well, make sense okay. too? Does that make sense? So like, now we just narrowed no, our scope no, even you more. Can't call, you can't call somebody the heavyweight champion of the world in a time trial, right? It's not, there's no, there's no records here. It's like you show up and you got to take the belt from somebody. Uh, well, I'm okay. going to immediately start training weight. <laughs> un, un, under those conditions, yes, I Trent, believe you could be the heavyweight champion of the world. Trent, how hard would it be for you to get to uh, 200? <laughs> I never tried it, but I think I could do it in a few months. I think I can give me give me two months. two months. I can get there. It wouldn't feel good. Although I don't know how I could get there and also train for a mile. I guess that's that'd be the tough part. Which is go to your point, Steve. How do you gain the weight while training for the yes. mile? Right. So yes, that that, mean, that, again, that is a big that is a big factor in my point. That's here. a big point. That's a big plus for you right there. Yes, but you. If you took six months off from running and just gained weight, would run slow, I am sure. If David Radisha took six months off from running and gained weight, he would still run really, really fast. I don't think so. I think if he <laughs> took six months off of running and he put on he put on close to forty pounds, I don't think he runs that fast. 
Okay, as, sure. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. He probably won't run that fast compared to what he's capable of. He will still run faster than you. Okay. David Rodija. I promise you. <laughs> I swear that David Rodija will never beat me in a mile when we're both 200 pounds. I will make and, that proclamation that will, that will never happen in this lifetime. And I guess that is where we will agree and call it a day. <laughs> All right, boys. So, hey, we had, we had, uh, we had Ruben on the podcast. He, he, he started, he owns low running. Seriously, guys, if you are in need of some, uh, some coaching advice, you want to take your running to the next level. Low running is the place to do it. Go look it up. He does all the coaching virtually. Like he says, he, he, he talks to you every single, he communicates with you every single day with your, with your workouts. So go check him out. It's a, it's a really cool training program. All right, boys, let's kick off the bell app. Mike, what do you got for people on the bell app? Yeah, so we started the show with it a little bit and we kind of got into it, but I just want to take this time to apologize to uh, any non-baseball fan and especially any non-Red Sox fan because, listen, if you like what we're doing here and you're enjoying listening to us, it's going to come up in conversation and we're going to talk about it sometimes. Baseball is back this week, so, you know, I'm sorry, but at the same time, you're just going to have to get over it. Trent, what do you got people on the bell app? Got the email this week, uh, getting the info, the Northeast 10 conference, which is the alma mater of, of all of us, and including Ruben Sanka, that they have canceled all their fall sports. And so cross country is not a thing. And I know it's not the first conference or the first schools to go, but I do just want to give a big shout out to all the Stonehill runners and all, all the cross country runners out there that are not going to be able to compete you know, this fall, I know we have listeners out there that are college runners or even high school runners. I don't know what the different high schools are doing, but it's going to suck. Right. And, and I think we recognize that, that, that you guys losing the season is going to suck, suck real, real bad. Um, and I just want you guys to know, like, I, I think as competitive runners, we feel that and, and we realize how bad that is. So um, shout out to you guys. Uh, this is made sound like a marketing plug, but it, it's actually kind of serious. Like sign up for the two miler. Hopefully that'll give you some fun things to actually like train for. Um, we, we will give you a belt and we won't report you to any kind of NCAA. So you don't have to worry about any uh, violations there of receiving, you know, a prize or that sort of thing. But I hope you guys can find, but seriously, I hope you guys can find some fun um, and training for the two mile and other things to keep you in shape until hopefully you can get back out there on an indoor track or an outdoor track at some point. Pro flow. What do you got for people on the bell app? I just really love kind of the mission that, you know, P2E was started on that. It's about fun. It's about entertainment. And we touched on it earlier in the podcast, but I just want to say the worst people in the world are the Twitter eggs about like little ticky tack things. And, you know, John Rahm and golf earlier, you know, a couple like yesterday gets robbed of the people that bet on him. And I don't know who they were, but whoever bet on him got robbed because the ball moved a centimeter in the grass before he actually hit his shot but it all relates back to the track thing. And, you know, it's about entertainment. It's about a business. But just just a bad shout-out to all the Twitter eggs that are just trying to narc on people for, you know, missing a test or a ball missing a centimeter. Obviously, I have some misguided anger right now. But, um, but yeah, no, love the mission of P2E. Can't wait for next week. Sounds like you have some personal experience with that. Guys, all I have to say to you is buy a T-shirt. Buy a T-shirt and sign up, and that gets you an automatic sign up to the to the P2E 
two-miler. It's going to be the best virtual race going this summer. We got badass championship belts. If you want to pretend like, or if you want to be the heavyweight champion of the P2E two-miler, buy a t-shirt, sign up for the two-miler. We're going to have a virtual part, virtual after party. It's just going to be a good time. What else you got to do? Everything else is canceled. So sign up for the two-miler. Other than that, boys, I wouldn't run faster, but I peaked too early. Pat, hit me with the Josie. Josie's on a vacation far away Come around and talk it over So many things that I want to say You know I like my girls a little bit older I just want to use your love tonight I don't want to lose your love tonight I'm going to be um on vacation but uh, <laughs> yes i don't know uh, i don't know how if i'm gonna be able to get on any kind of wi-fi i'm going to yellowstone so the difference is when trent goes on vacation he goes out into like the wilderness where like you don't hear from him for like three weeks and you know every time he goes on vacation there's a decent chance he doesn't come back it's fair <laughs> Something in my mind's not made 